Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, roads and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Sustainable success, where restaurants can be profitable and healthy and then continue to attract people, attract customers, and have the opportunity to, to grow and secure capital for growth. That sustainability aspect, we believe it's systems, culture, and business that really help propel companies to the next level. This is Jim Laub. He is the founder and CEO of RestaurantOwner.com, a business management and leadership development resource for independent restaurant operators. And they're on a mission to dramatically improve independent restaurant operators' chances for real, sustainable business success. Jim is also a well-known contributor to the restaurant startup and growth magazine, Restaurant Hospitality, Nation Restaurant News, and many others. He's often seen as a speaker at restaurant food shows and conferences, both on and offline. In this conversation, we talk about the three key ingredients you need to master to run a successful restaurant business. That's business acronym, systems, and culture. We'll take a deeper dive into why culture is the most important, but also at sometimes the most challenging to master. And Jim shares what great culture looks like and how this can be one of your most important asset when it comes to achieve competitive advance. Jim's also shared some great examples about how some restaurant companies are doing this really well and share what they're doing in practice to bring it to life. He also shares his thinking on what the role of the leader slash owner is when it comes to build culture and we touch on the staffing crisis, the future of hospitality, and much more. Before you tune in, please sign up for our weekly newsletter, packed with more Maverick insights, strategies, and tools. Find the link in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com. But now, stop whatever you're doing, grab the pen and notebook. There's some killer learnings in here on how you build culture that makes you stand out. It's going to be a very exciting conversation today. It's uh, We are touching on one of my uh, favorite subjects, which is culture combined with restaurants. Like uh, That's the thing I believe that's going to be the, the competitive edge and advance. Well, of course, it can stand alone, as we will talk about today. But culture is so critical to stand out uh, in, in the market, both for the uh, when it comes to getting employees, but I also think when you in the future want to attract customers because people don't just buy what you serve on a plate of food, they also buy who you are. So we're going to talk about behaviors and beliefs because that's equal culture. And for that conversation, uh, I've really been looking forward to uh, to talk with Jim from uh, restaurantowner.com because uh, 
he uh, he's a big advocate for culture and how you build a successful restaurant business. And we'll come back to that. And we had his colleague Barry on the, the show uh, a couple of years ago where he was here in Brighton and visited us. And we actually touched on culture here at that point. But actually, I, I know this is like Jim. And I can remember the first time I met Jim, he was uh, doing a webinar on culture. And I think that's probably five, six years ago now. Uh, but yeah, that was a fascinating webinar. And I hope he still do, does that. And you can probably find that, uh, sign up to that via restaurantowner.com. But enough said from me. I want to welcome you, Jim, to, to the show. I'm really excited about having this conversation. Oh, Michael, I am too. Thank you so much for inviting me. It is a pleasure to be here. And I want to welcome everyone in the audience too. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening in. Lucky enough, more people knows about restaurantowner.com than they did six years ago when I found you by, I think it was a bit of like an accident through another magazine or something. I can't remember where it was. And you have this incredible you know, platform, but I, I will not bastardize. I will let you tell about what is restaurantowner.com and what is your, you know, your mission and purpose? Well, our mission and purpose is to educate and inspire independent restaurant operators to create restaurant success stories. Um, we are an online, I would say, resource for independent operators that kind of take the place of a franchisor. In other words, we have a, a host of resources from the standpoint of templates and forms and ways to help independent operators develop their own systems. For example, if you, if you buy a franchise, Michael, they're going to give you everything you need to prepare the food, hire the employees, open the restaurant, close the restaurant, all the, all the checklists and systems you need to operate that business the way they want it operated, the way they figured out that will make it successful. When you open your own independent restaurant, unless you've taken stuff from the previous restaurants that you work, work for, you, you don't start with anything like that. You have to come up with it all from scratch. And that's, that's a lot of work. <laughs> it's an endless amount of things to do. So what we try to do, we, we try to shorten that, the, that time it takes for a restaurant to develop their own systems. And in addition, we're also a training platform. Um, we train people on understanding the financial side of a restaurant, how to read a P&L, um, how to manage cash flow, how to uh, uh, control inventory. Um, and then in the last several years, we've gotten in big time into culture, as you were talking about. Um, we think leadership and culture is um, was kind of the missing ingredient from our web from our website initially because I come at it from a, my background is a CPA. So the way I got involved in the industry, I was a controller for a, uh, for, for a restaurant, small restaurant chain early in my career. I also practiced as an independent CPA for about 15 years. Most of my clients were independent restaurants. And then I trans transitioned into education and training in the, uh, for CPAs and for restaurant operators, I did a, uh, a one-day seminar on on improving restaurant accounting and controls, and uh, and that was really the basis of of creating RestaurantOwner.com because I took a lot of the things that I talked about in that seminar and in my consulting engagements, 
with uh, with small independent restaurants, and then I created RestaurantOwner.com. So that was back in the late in the late nineties. What I really like with uh, with your framework is, as you said, you you help the you're a bit like a mentor. They don't have as if you have a franchise and give them you know the direction and tools, but also you give them encouragement. Uh, and what I really like about you is that you have this kind of framework where you have three key ingredients for running a successful restaurant. And that's from, from your own experience, but also working with thousands of restaurant owners through, through the platform. Can you talk a bit about them and what kind of impact they have when people get them right? Yeah, absolutely. Let me go back to those three key components because I think that'll help, help me explain this. But, um, uh, in a restaurant, if you look at a restaurant P&L, uh, what's the most important number on a restaurant P&L? It's obviously sales. I mean, without sales, you don't have anything. You don't have a chance to, to put any any dollars on the bottom line if your sales aren't, aren't good. Well, what's the, what, what's the key? What's the number one factor for driving sales? It's the guest experience, okay? The better your guest experience, the more loyalty, return visits, um, uh, excitement with your brand that you're going to create. Well, what's the key to a great guest experience? Well, two things we believe um, it's systems that gives you the opportunity to repeat that good ex- experience over and over again. Quality food, quality service. But it also ta- another component of of uh, a great guest experience is culture. We believe. In other words, it's people. Because unless you have quality people who are going to use your checklist, who are going to uh, take the time to to utilize your systems to create that consistency. And also there's another component to people and culture, and that's hospitality. People need to be in a good mood. People need to, to, to have a desire, a wanting to be to be friendly, to be gracious, to take care of people. So. Um, those really those two components that create the guest experience are systems and culture. And then there's a third component, which is business skills, because you can have great sales volumes, but if your if your food cost is out of line, or if your labor cost is through the roof, or if you're not controlling your other operating expenses, well, you're probably not going to have a lot of money on the bottom line. And we have to be we have to be fiscally healthy as well, not just culturally healthy. So we really focus on three key areas, systems, culture, and business skills. Those are the three areas that we really try to focus on. Now, are other elements important in a, for a successful restaurant? Absolutely, concept, recipes, um, location, all those are, uh, all those are very important uh, aspects of the business, but, Sustainable success, and I put the underline on sustainable, uh, where restaurants can be profitable and healthy and then continue to attract people, attract customers, and have the opportunity to, to grow and secure capital for growth. That sustainability aspect, we believe it's systems, culture, and business that, that really help propel companies to the next level. It's a network of things that has to work together. And these systems are, uh, you know, they're not dependent. You know, if you're good at one thing, it doesn't mean you're going to, you need to get all of them being dependent on each other in a way. So they are 
interdependent in principle. Uh, Absolutely. And that's really the tricky part of this business. Um, it's not all that complicated, but there are just so many aspects to it. Uh, there's so many there's so many ingredients, there's so many systems and subsystems and microsystems that all have to work together to create that 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 exceptional guest experience consistently every time. Uh, Jim, I wanted us to we could talk about those three circles, you know, we could maybe make a 10 hour podcast on going through them. But I wanted to focus in the, our conversation today on something I think that's really relevant, no matter where you are on the globe, there is, a, there is a need for, let's just say there's a need for for people, first of all, to open and close your restaurant. Let's keep it there. There's a staffing crisis going on. Uh, and, we, and we can come back to that. Uh, but I, I would like to, you know, circle around, as we said in the beginning, around culture. And uh, how do you at restaurantowner.com or how do you, Jim, define culture? Because there's so many definition of culture sometimes. It's always good to start with how do you define culture when it's brought to life in a business? Great question. Uh, we define as culture as how people think and act. The prevailing thoughts and actions in a business, organization, family, uh, club, whatever, team, Okay, prevailing thoughts and actions. Yeah, and we believe that culture, we look at it like the emotional lifeblood of a organization um, that, that affects how people interact with each other, how people treat each other, how passionate, how motivated they are to do a good job, uh, to do their best. Um, it's a little bit esoteric, but uh, but there. But at the same time, it has very profound and very concrete results. Um, you've probably walked into a restaurant before and sensed just the just kind of the feel that you had that something's not right here. Um, uh, maybe it's the tentativeness of the host or hostess that greeted you. Maybe it was the server that came up that really wasn't all that friendly or maybe seemed distracted or um, there was just there was just something that was just off. Whereas you go into another restaurant and you get eye contact, you get a big smile, you get an enthusiasm, uh, it, you know, the, the feel is totally different. And it's all because of the way you were treated, the interaction you had with somebody on the staff or maybe multiple people on the staff. That's culture. That has to do with, with something that's going on in that restaurant that's either propelling a positive, energetic, gracious type of culture that people are enjoying being there or something that's going on and people really aren't having a good time. <laughs> and, and when somebody's not having a good time, um, it's hard to fake it, you know? Um, yeah. So that, that, that is that is one way that we look at look at culture yeah and i love that think and act uh, I, I always call it you know your your belief and your beliefs and behaviors in the similar kind of kind of line um but what i was really got really interesting early in my career and i talked to this about you know so many times the listeners probably going to be bored about it. i got this book that was called 
Good to Great by Jim Collins. Oh, I, I know yeah. it's a heavy management book about the concept of why some companies become great and others don't. And if you take the first, you know, I would say maybe the first 50% of that book, it's about people and culture. But primarily driver is culture to get your culture right. And they have all these examples from Nucord as a, a steel manufacturer to, uh, to, to other companies you never heard about, the service providers and under suppliers into the education uh, uh, sector. And of all these companies, they're, they're, they had some you know, ability to build a great culture. And everybody wants to build a great culture. But what I often feel is that people don't know what that means and what the ingredients are for that. What is your, what is your like when you say, when you talk about culture, what is like the main ingredients that you need to get in place to build this great culture? Well, I think it starts with kind of an awareness. Um, uh, obviously, the leader drives culture. Le leadership is key to culture. Um, but I think one of the first things is recognizing that as a leader, even as a manager on a shift, um, you're a very important person. Uh, because, because you have power, you have authority, and people are taking their cues from the way you behave, the way you interact, um, the kind of your attitudes, the way you respond to difficulties and things, things going on. Um, so the leader really drives the culture. And um, I think it begins with an awareness that uh, um, um, the way you act um, really has influence. Um, I like to uh, use an analogy or just kind of a story. Uh, the, the, those of us that have worked for large, large restaurant organizations, most large restaurant companies have what they call their, their really good, their Cracker Jack managers. In other words, they have a team of managers and it's their job to go into underperforming restaurants. And um, when they go into a new restaurant that's underperforming, um, they instantly change the culture, okay? They instantly do that just by their presence. And what they do, they have a restaurant, imagine it's underperforming, but now two or three or four weeks later, uh, sales are getting better. Um, the service and the hospitality and the financial performance is getting better in that restaurant. And even though that restaurant still has the same pricing, the same menu, uh, virtually the same staff, probably, unless they had to can one or two people. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's really everything's the same, except that that manager changed something and they changed the culture. In other words, there's a new sheriff in town and everybody knew that things were going to be different. And probably a lot of people looked at that and said, oh, my gosh, things are going to be better now. OK, they have hope they, because the last person, most of the employees probably knew the last GM was screwing up, okay? And then when a new, new person came, they changed the expectation. There's probably now accountability. There's probably now energy coming from the GM. The GM changed the culture, and that's why the restaurant is now doing better. And I've seen that happen multiple, multiple times. Um, so uh, that's the power of culture. That's the power of leadership. And uh, I think it begins with an awareness, first of all, and then maybe some, maybe some steps of uh, 
of maybe how a person or how a leader changes changes culture. And I've got some got some thoughts on that as well. Yeah, uh, let me let me hear them. So that that would be interesting. Because that actually leads us into to to my next question. But yeah, well, well how do how do you actually change? You know, I think it's a very good example you have there about underperforming restaurants because uh, let's let's take it from that analogy. Well, tr- trust is a huge issue. Um, if people don't trust you, they're not going to follow you. Um, so. Trust is a key component, and I think the biggest thing regarding trust, whether whether people you people will trust you as a manager and a leader, um, is character. Um, I mean, honesty, integrity, um, doing what you say you're going to do, uh, follow up. Uh, uh, that, that that's just crucial today. Yeah, and when people know that when you say something, they can bank on it. At least they trust you. Yeah, they trust you. Um, and another aspect of it is uh, is competence. I mean, you got to be a competent person. Uh, you got to um, uh, you have to understand, you know, the nuts and bolts of running a restaurant. Okay, you need to uh, uh, recognize or have a sense for all those components that create a great guest experience. Um, you have to understand uh, what's going on in the kitchen and and with people's. Uh, people's jobs. You don't have to be an expert at it, but you have to have a sense of what's going on and what excellence looks like in all the people that uh, that you're managing. Um, and then the last component, I think, and not the last, but but another another top one is you got to care about your people. Um, you got to take a personal interest. You got to let them know that um, that they're more than just a cog in the wheel to you. Um, you need to have some sense of what's going on in their personal life, and I know that's a um, that's kind of a, a tricky area. But everybody knows what an appropriate level of interest in somebody's personal life, um, knowing maybe um, who their significant other is, if they have kids, uh, remembering the names of their kids and asking them about them once in a while, just to show that you um, you care about them as a person, not just the fact that they work for you and they're important to your uh, to your restaurant, but just that they matter as a person. That's really key because when you add those three components up, uh, uh, competency and uh, um, caring about people and having character, that's a powerful combination for a leader. I mean, you will have influence if you uh, if you project that to your people i believe and that's what leadership is all about it's all about influence um and with those characteristics what you start to do you start to create better experiences for people at work and when you create better experiences for people their beliefs their beliefs about the work that they do the beliefs about the people they work with their beliefs about leadership and management they elevate they start to get higher um, they start to have more uh, fulfilling, a more fulfilling time at work. They enjoy working with their coworkers, and then all of a sudden, teamwork makes sense and looking out for the other, for the other person. And uh, um, and better beliefs creates better actions. And when you have people that are more motivated and more passionate and are more energized about what they're doing, guess what? You'll get better actions, and better actions leads to better results. <laughs> so. And it all starts with kind of uh, the leader 
uh, having character, competence, showing competency, and caring about their people. And that's really the essence of culture and why culture actually drives results more than anything else. It's quite interesting as well. Uh, I don't know if you agree with this view that we had uh, um, a couple of years ago, we had a, a woman here in the UK to run uh, that was at that time, I think they had five or six restaurants. Now they have 12. Uh, it's a, an Indian inspired restaurant chain and it's all the cooking she's learned from her mom. And she talked a lot about, you know, all the things you said. And then she also said like the direction of your business. Why are you here? Your, your purpose, your vision, your mission, your intent to be here. Besides, you know, you need to make a profit. That's obvious or else you're not in business. Um, how important do you think that is as well as you, you know, you talked about making a sustainable business and make the culture sustainable? Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the best ways to communicate and create positive experiences for your, uh, for your employees is to have a mission or a purpose and communicate that regularly to your people. Um, that's why values are so important. And uh, uh, to, to have your values and to have your purpose and mission, and then to constantly communicate. What that does, it gets everybody on the same page. They know what direction we're going in. Um, so you don't have people going in, um, in different directions. Also, it helps people, it gives people a framework for making decisions. Um, if your people know that the customer is number one and that uh, um, we do everything possible possible that we can to to guarantee or to ensure that people when they leave leave with a smile on their face, then if a mistake happens, um, people will take action and uh, uh, probably resolve that mistake or that error or whatever uh, that complaint. And even if it costs them, maybe maybe we have to comp something. Maybe we uh, uh, make something over again. Maybe we um, do whatever. But if you give people the ability to make those kinds of decisions, giving them the direction based upon your purpose, your mission, your values, um, that that probably requires less involvement of a management, and staff can can handle a lot of those things. Yeah, and and that's in, that's actually an interesting conversation compared to we we touched on the, the staffing crisis that is evolving across the the world in hospitality, and therefore culture again in my view becomes such an, a competitive advantage not only to solve your short term problems of you know people can actually make management decisions themselves if they have the direction the leadership the direction of where they're going and they know what good looks like and they can actually have and have the permission. And freedom to 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 make those decisions you talk about, and I think you have a you know maybe you have some other example, but we we interviewed Ari from uh, Singermans in the U.S. That's that's based on the model of actually the individual employee is an entrepreneur, not an employee. They train them in being entrepreneurs to make decision in the front line where the information is and where the decision has to be made fast, instead of it has to go up a chain of command. And I guess. My view is a bit like we are as an industry there where we actually need to start practicing some of this, you know, agility, the way of thinking. We involve our employees much, much more in our business system than we had before. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the uh, foundational principles of a uh, of a positive culture. And um, it's funny you you mentioned Ari. He, he's gonna, he was going to be one of my examples of a great culture <laughs> the Zingerman's organization. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. He and they are masters at uh, at culture and employee empo- empowerment and uh, and really creating a uh, a very meaningful experience for their employees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, what I what I really love about what they do as well, it's also it's freely available. They have actually what they have learned. You know, you can go and buy the books, you can go on their training courses, and of course, there's a business angle on that. But it's also how they involve their vision, their culture, and yeah. So it's it's fascinating reading. So it, it was uh, funny. But do you see? You know, you have the three circles, and I think you already indicated, like you know, culture is probably the one that drives a lot of the others, or the quality of them. Let's say in that way. Um, do you see culture as the most important thing to get competitive advantage in in today's trading environment? Today, absolutely, um, uh, Michael. Um, when you look at uh, when you look at at culture, um, think about the cost that it would take to have a positive impact on your culture. Um, uh, it's basically just learning. You know, a, the leader has to learn about culture, and there are a lot of good books. And I'll mention some books that are that are good for learning all about culture. Um, uh, but it takes time. It takes commitment. But the return on investment. Um, and plus, once a leader, I believe, gets good at implementing and sees the uh, the the, uh, so the first initial sparks and positive results of becoming a better leader, and the results of a more positive culture, um, I think being a leader becomes a lot more rewarding experience um, because you're really impacting your people uh, at a very deep and profound level from the standpoint of giving them the opportunity to have a more rewarding and fulfilling time at work. And, uh, and it just, it doesn't stop there. It impacts your customers. Um, it impacts your bottom line results. Um, and again, it can create a competitive advantage for employees, for, for hiring, for recruiting, uh, uh, it can positively impact your your, your turnover, your retention. Um, I, Michael, I just don't see any downside in becoming a better leader and creating a better culture. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And I think also, uh, I think you mentioned indirectly as well, where often it's forgotten, actually, it's part of building brand value for your business because you can only sell, you can sell your asset, your restaurant and your machines and your menu and recipe for, for a price, but the value of your brand uh, is probably 10x compared to that price. So if you say it was sold for $10 million, $2 million would be an asset and the rest is in brand value. And that's actually built by the culture, how we think and act, as you say, uh, in, in every aspect, if that's marketing or in the way we serve our customers. Um, but, but one of the things I was thinking as you were saying these things as well, why is it then that no, a lot of some people really invest in this and they they win and they you know they win big at some point they don't win big short term but why is that we you know we resist or we don't get around to it or we can't find out how to what is it that stops leaders and business owners really to invest in this because there's so much evidence uh, as you say as well and so many books uh, there's no more books to be written written on this it's more the execution and go and do it oh yes. Oh yeah, yeah. So the question is, why don't more people 
uh, more business leaders. Um, well, maybe they, they don't, maybe it's not concrete enough for some people. Um, uh, maybe some people are too busy uh, working on the details. They don't think they have time to do it. Uh, um, I think that's a great question. I think that's probably something that should be surveyed. <laughs> and somebody should, somebody should study. But um, I think it takes an element of faith and confidence. But, you know, a lot, a lot of people, I don't, unless it's concrete, unless it's strategic oriented, unless it's... Uh, um, a list of things to do. Uh, uh, a lot of people maybe don't buy it. It's not they don't see the connection or the it's not direct enough for them. I guess. And uh, I, I think you I think you're absolutely absolutely right. And it's quite interesting. And one of we we we've been trying uh, in some research we have, and I don't think we have the answer yet. But one of them was actually we are too busy being a to do list. Was uh, like when. Uh, we're we're busy about what we can do to the business, and and we like the the, the direct outcomes, and we and it, uh, and I think what we learned from from this uh, piece of research we're putting together in the moment was that, and I don't know if we're right, but there's an element of you just have to be busy to be successful, and that's not right. You actually need to slow down and actually step out and actually do less, but actually focusing on some some core element, and I think. Uh, all great culture brands within or outside uh, hospitality, you know, you can take Patagonia, which is another example, the, the ability to really do few things well. And I think that comes to, to culture as well, that it's that's not like a checklist. You need to find some few things, start experiment with it and find out maybe if it's decision power to the front line, how far can you go now and what is you know what is the ideal world and how far would you like to go i think i think it's about you have to be looking at a bit like innovation you you want you have to be able to experiment and accept you need to find your own way because also it's not black and white but i think it i think the busyness is uh, i don't know if i'm right but i'm just starting to see a, a pattern there because it's not like i can't take down my marketing list a to b and c and d i actually have to to develop a process myself sometimes right exactly and michael i like to talk about leverage how can how can independent owners leverage their influence within their restaurant within their organization and i gotta tell you becoming a better leader and creating a better culture is the ultimate use of leverage okay um if you want to have less responsibilities in your restaurant, um, create a better culture and develop your people. And when you have a better culture, people are going to be more willing to do to do more. They're they're going to, they're going to be in a, a mindset where they can learn more. Um, your managers will be more apt to take initiative, responsibility. Um, uh, having a, I've got some members, Michael, that um, I, I have one member out in California, uh, in Los Angeles, got three restaurants. He had enough time in this last year. He has developed his culture and his managers to a point. He actually got became a certified chef. He took chef classes. And every time I talk to him, he, it seems like he's got all the time in the world. 
um, because he don't he doesn't spend a lot of time in his restaurants because um, he's created such a culture that his managers know how to manage manage they know what and, and his people know what the values are they know what the purpose is and uh, um, even during this corona uh, virus year year that we've had he still had time to pursue other activities outside of the restaurant yeah yeah um how how long would you guess like it's always interesting because people always ask me and i don't have the answer for them but can you actually can you create a, a culture within a reasonable years framework and how, how long did it take i think six months to a year you, you 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 can start seeing positive results from culture improvement absolutely yeah yeah if somebody if somebody gets serious and they and they start to develop themselves as a leader and they start to implement foundational culture practices within their within their restaurant within their organization uh i would think yes easily within six six months to a year could be a totally different organization at that point yep yeah and and you don't have to do what i've learned as well i don't know if you've observed the same when i told it operate they don't do a lot of things they do a few things very well uh, around their culture and then they just add on and they say it's a journey and every year we'll add some new elements and new blocks and maybe they're growing the business and therefore the culture also has to adapt to that growth as well. Well, think, think of never having, think of a small, of a restaurant and maybe an owner has has uh, uh, a general manager under under him or her, uh, a couple, a manager and maybe an assistant manager. And let's say they never did a, uh, uh, never did a weekly meeting. Okay. Never got together and talk about what's going on, what needs to be improved, uh, uh, how how their various employees are doing. They've never done that before. What if they started doing that? Okay. And every every week they would meet and talk about how things are going in the restaurant. Okay. And uh, all of a sudden the the owner started to delegate. Maybe the owner always did the scheduling, always did the purchasing, and then started delegating some of those tasks to. To one or two of the managers, she took the time, taught them how to do it, uh, coached them, and so on and so forth. And then a couple weeks later, the owner said, "You know, I, I learned about a mission, or I learned about a purpose. I'd like to come up with a purpose for us. What are we really here to do? What do we really want to accomplish?" And they come up with a purpose, and maybe the purpose is to light our customers in a way that creates loyalty. And I'm, bar I'm borrowing somebody's mission statement by saying that. Okay. Our goal, our mission is to light, is to delight every single customer that comes in here. Um, and then they talk about that to their staff. Maybe they have a staff meeting and talk about how important it is for them to, to delight their customers. And then they talked about some practical things maybe uh, that have to do with uh, eye contact and smiles whenever you're, when it, whenever you're in front of a customer. And just doing those few things right there, I can almost promise you, it would take that culture up two or three or four notches just by doing those things. Okay. And anybody can do that. Anybody could start doing that. And that would be just a few simple foundational things that if you've never done them before, it will change the experience of the management team will change the experience of the employees. Okay. It'll give them some direction to understand what the priority is, what we're here to accomplish just by doing that can have a huge, huge impact.
and anybody can do that. Uh, and I love what you're saying there. I also call this the, you know, you said have a, a weekly meeting, you know, I, uh, and I talk a lot about, you know, the consistency of your life. And Jim Collins, he talks about the flywheel. And I, I didn't understand the flywheel when I was read that in my 20s. But suddenly I find out actually my, my personal life and my the business I was responsible for life became easier when I defined, you know, what are the the interactions we need to do or the touch points we need to have every week to have a, a great culture. And it's very exactly having meetings and actually have conversations together where you actually listen and actually, you know, find out where we all are on an emotional level. It's one of the most powerful things. But just but that meeting needs to happen every week at the same time. Uh, uh, you know, if it's face to face in the, in the world of uh, you know uh, technology today, you can probably do some can dial in if they're not at work. But you know, it just needs to happen. It's a cultural uh, placeholder for 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 the week, and it's nothing to do with culture. It's just actually to check in in principle and find out, um, and and then you can start, as you say, to actually work from day that day. You actually started planting the first seed of uh for culture and i think it's again people and then they say well we do meetings every week but they don't we don't get anything out of them and you know it's seven hours on the uh, the schedule so we can save x amount of hours a year but you know the money you missed out on on the sales level if we talk about your model is incredible within a year you know the compound effort of actually doing the same thing every week so that that power of consistency and that just getting one percent better every week I think often is forget forgotten about around culture as well. And Michael, that highlights the importance of communication. You know, leaders, managers, it's all about communication, communication, communication. And that's where, um, that's the purpose of meetings is to communicate, communicate what's important. And we all have to remember, people need to be reminded more than they need to be taught. So the power of repetition, and that's where constantly bringing up the purpose, the mission, the values. Um, uh, some companies, I know that every week they have the value of the week, and that's where they focus on the pre-shift meetings and the management meeting. You know, they remind everybody. Let's, you know, it could be um, uh, it could be integrity. It could be uh, we have we have fun at work. We we. Uh, uh, we believe in doing our best or could be about commitment or something like that or cleanliness and sanitation and safety. Um, we hit and we drive home again once a week. All And it, that's part of the communication process. It's part of the repetition. So it gets ingrained people to the point that they can't forget. Yeah. I like to use the statement is, you know, when you're communicating something enough, when people, when you, when you mention it one more time, you see their eyes roll back into their heads and go, oh, no, not this again. <laughs> then, then you know you're communicating enough. <laughs> I, I love about the way you said, like, it's about reminding and actually, you know, re revisit, you know, what habits or behavior you want to see. And it's not about telling people. It's actually about revisiting uh, because telling doesn't work. We all hate to be talked to parent-child. We want we want the parent parent conversation, but that's that's a different conversation about communication. Um, you build organizations yourself. You you have a very successful organization yourself, where 
you know, people uh, are, are on on the ship for a very long time. They don't just come and, and leave again. And you you must have been able to build some kind of culture, even though it's not a restaurant. It's a magazine. It's an online platform. It's a learning developing. Uh, business um what has been your your own greatest experience in building a great culture what is the top learning you have taken away from from your journey as a business owner boy that's a that's a good question um i'm not sure exactly what the top one is but uh i can go back to an experience um and i think michael is just to do the right thing try to do the right thing all the time um, we had a situation several years ago. We had a breach. Um, uh, we were keeping our members' uh, uh, names, credit card numbers. Uh, we had moved them off to a separate server to our credit card processor, and we had a breach. and And we had we lost about twenty percent of our members. And uh, um, one thing that that uh, when we found out about it, that there's always a question: Okay, what do we do? Um, and, uh, what a lot of companies have done is they, they don't tell anybody, you know, they, they work behind the scenes and try and try to, uh, try to do something in the background or work with some people to try to mitigate it. Well, I said immediately, we need to go ahead and, uh, notify our members. So we immediately got several emails out. We told people what had happened. We said, uh, check check your credit cards to make sure that, you know, if you've had something, then take, take action on your own to cancel the cards and stuff. And, uh, I got to look, when I look back at that, I'm probably more proud of doing that than, than just about anything else in my career, because, um, I thought I did the right thing. And, uh, I know that in, that impacted positively on, on several of the people here. Um, but that was a very expensive, uh, issue for us. And, uh, um, you know, we, we, we recovered from that. Ultimately, we took some steps to make our, make everything more secure, but that is probably one of the biggest lessons of, uh, of if you say you believe something, then you got to follow through with it, you know, um, and you got to do the right thing. That was, that, that's one example, I guess. Yeah, I, I love that. It's a very concrete one as well, and you actually bring your your culture alive in that you know extreme example. And I think there's a you know there's, there's another great company as people don't know about Southwest Airlines, where Herb Keller has you know built the culture on actually all these things where he's actually you know turned customers away as well. Uh, <laughs> if they didn't like the, the experience because there was a line with Southwest Airlines, but they wanted an American airline experience and he turned them away. And I think again, you know, like it's a bold thing to do and, uh, but it's the right thing to do because we, this is who we are and this is what we think and act on. So yeah, I, I love that. That's a great, great learning to share with people, Jim. And even though, you know, as you said, it costs a lot of money, but the, I guess that cost over the years has compounded back many times uh, from, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Southwest Airlines because I wrote down a couple names of companies that I thought that have really good cultures and you named <laughs> you named two of them <laughs> Zingerman's and Southwest. Yeah. 
who else should uh, people go and look at if they are like okay we 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 are we have a good culture but we want to be great where should they go in in your view if it's inside or outside hospitality it could be some of your members as well uh, well zappos has a has a has had a very very good culture they're part of amazon now but i think they're still uh they still operate pretty autonomously um i think they're pretty open about their values um and what they share um uh that's a company um there's another uh small restaurant chain in the u.s uh pal sudden service um you probably never it's the most successful restaurant chain you've never heard of um they only have about 26 27 may, maybe up to 28 restaurants now uh but they're based in eastern uh tennessee uh uh kingsport tennessee but they Several years ago, they earned the Malcolm Baldridge Award. It's a very prestigious quality award in the U.S. And uh, it's a they have small fast food restaurants. They serve hot dogs and hamburgers and French fries, and uh, which they call Frenchy fries. Um, but they're 1,100 square feet, uh, drive-through only. You order on one side. You go around to the back of the other side of the building, and you pick up your order. Um, every 16 seconds, they turn a car, a car leaves a pal's restaurant every 16 seconds. That's three times, almost four times faster than their closest competitor, which is Chick-fil-A. They average about um, $27 to $2,800 of sales per square foot. I mean, it's a- absolutely astronomical what they do in terms of sales per square foot. Probably the highest in the industry by far. Um but they have such an incredible culture. Um, uh, they are, and it's, it, it's kind of hard to explain. You almost have to be there <laughs> to see it, but they are so exact. They have so fine tuned their operation. I mean, you can imagine every 16 seconds, it's gotta be fine tuned. Um, but they have a very, very amazing culture too that really is grounded in quality, yeah. Um, quality and excellence and extreme organization and repeatability. Yeah. So it's PAL Sudden Service. And if anybody is ever in the Eastern Tennessee area, I think they're probably in maybe three or four states now. Um, but go visit a PALS. It's really, really quite something to see. Good. We'll put it in the in the show notes. And uh, I have never heard about them. You're absolutely right. I, I, I was making notes because... Uh, I'm planning a trip when the world becomes a bit easier, and it seems like I need to to go there to <laughs> yeah. to learn uh, because that sounds you know you said Chick Fil A, and I was thinking about my old employer McDonald's will will be drooling for those results as well. Um, great, great, that's a great example, Jim. Um, what about um? Let's take it up a bigger picture. We mentioned the staffing crisis in the moment, and it, you know, we talk about building culture, and people think, oh, do you know what, dear friends, you know, I'm listening to you, but I can't staff my restaurants. What do you think the way forward is uh, for for this step? We always had a challenge in the industry, I believe, getting enough of the the right people, but I can never remember it's been, you know, so bad. Some some operators talk with say they only have fifty percent of the people they need to to operate. A full week's uh, opening hours. Yeah, it is really a crisis situation for so many operators today. Yeah, um, 
which I think elevates the importance of creating a, uh, an, I hate to say, you know, enjoyable work experience, but really, it, I mean, you got to make work fun. You got to make work rewarding. Because um, if you don't, if you just have a command control type of posture towards your employees, guess what? Today, especially, they're, they're going to leave. You know, they're going to go someplace else. And even restaurants that have, you know, Chick-fil-A is having trouble, uh, you know, challenges uh, finding enough people, too. But I guarantee you, they're doing a lot better than, than people that, that, you know, that operators that don't have a good culture. So um, if you can become the employer of choice, if you can create a better employee experience than anybody else in your geographic area, you're going to have a leg up with, uh, with better results in recruiting and retaining uh, people. Um, your staff will be more prone to recommend their friends, their acquaintances, their family members to work at your restaurant. Um, I just think more, more than ever, uh, culture is just absolutely critical for the survival and for the uh, success of restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I agree with you 100% on all that. Uh, and that leads me to the next question, uh, Jim, because, you know, we all have, you know, we've been having all these crystal ball moments of our, you know, where's where the industry going to land? Because I don't think we are. We are not true yet. We are. We're still walking through whatever it is we're walking through. But what is the prediction if you look like 18 months ahead and you can maybe take, you know, the rest, independent, independent restaurant owner in the U.S.? Where, where are we in 18 months' time for, for the industry? Michael, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what tomorrow looks like. <laughs> but if I, had to, if I had to guess, I would say we're still, still probably going to have, have challenges, but I'm hopeful that things will be better. I mean, one thing that as a species, we're very adaptable. Um, and, uh, I mean, this last year, year and a half has proven that. Um, we can be very, very adaptable, and uh, um, we see challenges. We respond to them. Um, I think one of the main things is 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 we we need to stay we need to stay positive. Uh, we need to stay hopeful. If you can't be positive, be hopeful that things are going to get better. Um, for one thing, in our industry, people always have to eat. I mean, rest assured that 18 months from now, 18 years from now, people are still going to be eating, and um, people love to eat out. Um, I think I've really, I think a lot of us have a sense of just how important going out to a restaurant once a week or, you know, occasionally or whatever. That is a big event. That's an important event to people, not only from the necessity of, of, of you know, we have to eat, but, but um, just the, uh, uh, the camaraderie, the social aspect of it, the, um, uh, it's just an enjoyable experience. Um, we love to do that. And we love to talk about the restaurants that we've been to and we have our favorites and we, uh, we have relationships with the people that serve us. And, uh, um, I don't believe that's going away anytime soon. And, uh, um, say what you will about the big chain restaurants. I don't think there's, um, there's ever going to be a replacement for, the homegrown local independent restaurants as well. They have a certain amount of uh, a charm and attraction and uh, uh, 
there's there's something special about our local restaurants that every area seems to um, gravitate to. And uh, um, so I think long term wise, I think uh, this is still going to be a growth, very, very important industry uh, to people. Um, even though we're going to have our short term challenges, I would encourage everybody to um, to be positive, be hopeful and uh, improve your culture. I think that's one of the best things that uh, that people can do. One of the most uh, potentially rewarding, both from a from a personal standpoint and also from a financial standpoint as well. To get started with that, you mentioned uh, a couple of books you would uh, recommend people to to get if they were interested in improving their their culture maybe a starting point absolutely there's some great books out there i personally like the culture engine by chris edmonds and i just purchased recently it's called the culture fix by will scott and uh, will has kind of an international flavor to his i think he was born in africa uh, but practiced uh, in the U.S. I think he was educated in the U.S., but he also worked for one of the big automotive companies. Uh, I think in uh, it was one in one of the Scandinavian com- uh, countries, and maybe it was Germany. I don't know, but, uh, but but that's a real good book as well. Yeah, we'll we'll put them in in the the the, the show notes because okay, um, sure. uh, because the culture engine I actually have read, but culture fix I hadn't heard about. Okay. But yeah. I mean, I think it's relatively new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about what about yourself, Jim? How do you actually show up as 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 pro every day? Because you said that leadership equals your ability to 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 build culture. How do you actually, as a leader and a business owner, come to the table every day with the the right energy and focus you need to have? Well. Um... I try to get up early for usually up by six, six thirty every morning. And I have a ritual is that every morning before I get out of bed, I think I try to think of three things that I'm grateful for. Three things. So regardless of what kind of mood I went to bed in, <laughs> I, I want to start today start the day and some and sometimes it's just little mundane things that I'm that I'm happy I'm happy that uh, I live in the South, so I'm happy for air conditioning. Um, I'm happy that we have food in the pantry. I'm happy that I have hot water. Because um, I've been on mission trips before, and, and we didn't have hot water. <laughs> and we didn't, weren't able to get a shower every day, you know. So, um, so it's those little things that we take for granted, and we get all, uh, I guess, bent out of shape about, you know, some of the bigger things that maybe aren't working out, but just uh, it's a whole lot. And just being alive, you know, being healthy. Yeah. And I guess that reflects back to other people that they can feel you alive and you have hope, as you said before. Hopefully. And I come I come with a positive attitude. Yeah. I really try to stay stay positive and look on the positive things. And then when bad things do happen, I try to say, well, what can I learn from this? How can... Uh, how could maybe how could I have better prepared for this or um, uh, how is God going to use this to make me a better person? Or is there some is there some bigger purpose to, to why this is happening? And so um, I try to look at it that way as well. Great, great. Last question, Jim. Um, 
what three top advice would you give to to leaders out there in the industry in you know we are we are through some difficult times but we probably have more change than challenges ahead what what would be like your top three advice for them well i do have three of them culture culture and culture <laughs> i say that kind of in jest michael you know people say the most important thing in, in uh in, in real estate, what is, you know, it's location, location, location. Yeah. I was just playing off that, but, uh, um, you know, uh, try to stay positive, you know, at least in front of your staff, don't be an energy drainer, be an energy creator. Okay. Really, really important. Even if you have to fake it. All right. Um, maintain high standards, you know, um, Hold people accountable to high standards. People really do want to be held accountable to high standards. You know, um, don't uh, don't lower your standards just because it's hard to hard to keep people. Okay, um, and then um, always work on your character. You know, um, all of us, uh, none of us are perfect. We all make bad decisions. We all uh, uh, struggle with you know, make doing the right thing. It's not easy, but uh, if you're constantly working on your character and trying to improve it and trying to be dependable and do what you say you're going to do and treat people with honesty and respect and dignity. And um, I mean, you sleep better at night for one thing, you know? Um, yeah. So, um, so character, um, all of us can use that, I think. And I love that. And it's like, you know, you can always, you can never be done developing the person you want to be because there's always the, 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 because it's about achieving things. What I've learned at some point, and I don't, it sounds like you're thinking similar thing is like more, more about becoming, yeah, more about becoming the person you can be than having the success of it. And that actually means that you need to do something every day on the on the character and, and and that means also looking in the mirror which is healthy so you you don't forget where you came from as well if if people want to reach out to you to learn more about you know what you're all about and what you talk about when it's culture or restaurant uh, restaurantowner.com where can they find you what is the best way to to reach out well they can go to restaurantowner.com uh and when you go to restaurantowner.com, you can sign up for our free uh, best practices. We have a best practice that goes out every week. We would encourage you to, to sign up for that. Um, my email address is jim at restaurantowner.com. If anybody wanted to reach out uh, to me personally, I'd be more than happy to respond to you and see if I could assist you in any way. But uh, um and we're also on Facebook. We're on well. We're on all the social media platforms as well. We'll put all that in the the show notes as well, so uh, people out there can find you, Jim. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and actually sharing your you know your insights around culture, also how you actually practice and how you get started and also your, all your other advice and wisdom. I send you and uh, the team and all the independent operators as part of your organization, you know, power and energy to keep on moving through these uh, challenging times. Oh, thank you, Michael. This has been a lot of fun and, and it's a real privilege and honor to, uh, to be asked by you to be on your, uh, on your very successful podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. 
Thank you so much, Jim, for giving us more insight and wisdom on how independent restaurant owners can build a powerful culture that gives a unique competitive edge. I would recommend you to sit down with pen and paper and ask yourself, what is the one thing I can start tomorrow that will build a business that both employees and customers love and want to be a part of? To get further inspiration on how to build an organization that uses culture as a competitive edge, tune in to episode 29, Enriched Lives with Mowgli's Nisha Katona, who is the founder and MD of Mowgli Street Food. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com or visit them on their social at BizSimply or BizSimplyHQ. You can also email them directly on advice at BizSimply.com. A big thank you to Fina Charlton, the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to the newsletter and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. I'm Michael Tinkser. And you have been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show, Be Maverick.